Yeah, my personal record book. If this makes Pittsburgh, the Steelers, the fans of the Steelers, you, uh, if it makes everyone feel better, in my own personal record book, uh, the Steelers won that game, the Patriots lost, and that means the Steelers are on track to be the one seed in the AFC. <laughs> the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Yes, yes, yes. Good afternoon. Good afternoon on a beautiful Thursday live in the Steel City. You have found the Crowley Show, the Adam Crowley Show, where your sister's a big fan and you should be too. Your mom listens. No, 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 no. Your sister's a big fan and you should be too. You're in the right place. My name is Wesley Euler. I will be filling in for Mr. Adam Crowley the next two days here. Well, I guess that is if, if Brian and Tom decide to, to let me back in the building tomorrow. We'll see how the next three hours go. Most of you listening right now are probably thinking, who the bleep is this guy? Wesley Euler? I've never heard of him. I'm kind of like Adam. I'm, I'm basically Adam. It's going to feel a little bit more like Adam's sitting here today as it has previously in the week. I, I, similar to Adam... Way more handsome and a little less talented, I would say. But I have known Mr. Crowley for, for a while. We're good buddies. I am a WVU guy as well. I'm sure we'll get into some of that. I'm not a fake WVU guy like Adam. I didn't grow up wearing pit t-shirts and rooting for Rod Rutherford and Sam Young and LeVance Fields. I grew up a Mountaineer. My initials are WVU. Both my parents went to school there. So I'm not a... I'm not a uh, uh, a millennial or a newfound mountaineer like Mr. Crowley. I'm a I'm an OG here sitting behind the chair now. I did finish college quicker than Adam. He was four and a half years. I was four and a half years. He was five. But we're going to have some fun. I, uh, I've listened to the show a little bit over the past couple days. I heard Mr. Benz and Mr. Rossi, and I love those guys. I uh, It's kind of funny. It's full circle for me. I grew up listening and reading to those guys when I was a, a teenager and, and growing up and getting interested in sports broadcasting and sports media. And now for me to be following them on a show is, is pretty cool for me. Um, with all respect to them, like I said, this will hopefully sound a little bit more like the Crowley show. I, I'm a little bit younger. I'm cut from a little bit different of a radio cloth than those two. I like to have fun. I, I mean, Tom's wearing his shirt right now, and that's a problem with me. I, I want full-blown shirtless Tom. We're going to have some fun on the show. Like Adam... Entertainment to me in the scope of sports is what's most important. I don't ever want to sit here and talk about the Steelers linebacker depth for three hours. I just, that's not my bag, baby. So over the next two days, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. And sure, we will absolutely get into some X's and O's and some real Sports opinions. I'm ready to talk Pittsburgh sports. To, to give you a little more background on myself, I moved away from Pittsburgh in 2015. I work in radio in Philadelphia right now. I have for the past two years. Yes, I know. Philadelphia. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. We'll talk, like I said, sports. Absolutely. Today's show is going to be a heavy, heavy Penguin show. It's been a very interesting week for the Penguins. A couple trades, a couple rumored free agent signings, some other things that we've heard whispers could be going on behind the scenes. Today's show will be a very Penguins-heavy show. We will have, 
I think for my money, one of the best, absolutely the best young minds, just point blank period, one of the best hockey minds in Pittsburgh, Jesse Marshall from The Athletic will join us coming up here next in about 15 minutes or so. Excited to have Jesse on. We're going to talk a lot of Penguins. We'll talk a lot about this roster. We'll talk, again, like I said, some of the things that have been whispered, Jack Johnson, Chris Kunitz, some of these decisions that are in the works, if you will, for the Penguins. I'm sure we'll hit on the Steelers and the Pirates a little bit here today, and maybe not today, but tomorrow a little bit. But like I said, everything is on the table. To me, there's nothing more fun than a conversation that kind of involves sports, but like I said, isn't talking about the Steelers linebacker depth for three hours. We'll get into music. We'll get into pop culture. We'll talk movies and TV. Hopefully, I'm hoping we're not going to talk any politics. I really don't want to talk politics because it's just it's a lose-lose situation all the time. Even if you have the best, most articulated, well-thought-out ideas in the world, still, talking politics is terrible. So hopefully we're not going to talk any politics, Tom. But I'm not sure because these politicians are out here doing dumb stuff every day. So we'll see. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a WVU guy. If some of you maybe turned in and just heard that I work in Philly sports, I am born and raised Yinzer. I, I live and die with the Penguins. I'm a Steelers and Pirates fan as well. I, I'm happy to be home. I'm excited to talk some Pittsburgh sports. It's, it's, it's been a rough 2018 so far for me living in Philadelphia. And obviously, I wanted to see the Eagles win the Super Bowl over the Patriots. But then also, I'm pretty close in proximity to D.C. There's a lot of D.C., that DMV, Northern Virginia, Maryland people that I work with as well, we've had to endure this year an Eagles Super Bowl and a Washington Capitals Stanley Cup. So I am very happy to be back amongst my black and yellow, black and gold. I don't want to offend anybody. Brethren, and I am, I'm very excited to be here and, and thankful, as I mentioned, to, uh, to Adam for, for letting me host the show. As I mentioned, today is going to be a heavy Penguin show. We'll have Jesse Marshall on next, but we're going to have fun. We're going to touch on some other stuff. We'll get into one of the most iconic moments in WWE history. You could argue the most iconic moment in sports entertainment history happened in Pittsburgh at the Igloo exactly 20 years ago. Today, we will talk about that a little bit. We'll talk some World Cup. We'll talk some soccer. England and Belgium, there was just an interesting thing that happened in the England and Belgium game that just ended. We'll get into that a little bit later. Intentionally losing and teams trying to pick their opponents to give you a little bit of idea where that conversation's going on. And there's a popular opinion that's going around on social media right now that really just drives me crazy. And we'll get into that a little bit later. It's it's something that's bothering me. I'm going to tell you what's bothering me with uh, with the sports fans, not here in Pittsburgh, really in every major city uh, this week and last week. But I said we were going to talk a lot of pucks today, and that's a, that's a promise and a guarantee. I'm a hockey guy. My first job out of college was actually working in junior hockey in Youngstown with the Youngstown Phantoms. Troy Loney was my boss at the time, former Pittsburgh Penguin. He has now since sold the team this summer. Congratulations to, uh, to Troy and Afka. I think hopefully maybe they're, they're taking a little step back. We're going to talk a lot of pucks today. Today is going to be probably 70-80% Penguins mixed in with some of that fun stuff that I mentioned. We've got a lot to talk about. For me, I think it starts with, like I said, a lot of these decisions that the Penguins have had, I guess, or have in the hopper right now. The rumored 
Jack Johnson deal that has already been behind the door handshaking agreement before July 1st. The very popular, I, don't, I wouldn't even call them whispers anymore, the very popular sentiment that's out there that the Penguins are seriously bringing back, seriously considering, or maybe, again, already have an agreement to bring back Chris Kunitz. We'll talk about those things. We'll talk about maybe the direction of this team because I feel like for the first time in a, in a while, i not doubting, not frustrating, but just questioning a little the decision-making of Jim Rutherford and Mike Sullivan because I think Mike Sullivan has a lot to say with the, with the construction of this Penguins roster as well. We're going to get into all of that stuff today. We'll talk a little bit about the trade, the, the Matt Sheary and, and Hunwick trades that happened a few days ago. We'll talk some of the free agent moves that could still be made. Alexiak still out there. Riley Shahan shined yesterday. We'll get into a lot of these particulars with Jesse Marshall when he joins us coming up next. And one thing that I don't think anybody in Pittsburgh's talking about, there's a lot of conversation going on with the Penguins right now. But as I drove back into town earlier this week, and I've been here for a couple days now and, and listening and trying to get my pulse back on the Pittsburgh sports heartbeat, the Pittsburgh sports fan, there is one thing, a big topic point, for me at least, that I think people should be talking about that they aren't talking about with the Penguins, and that's the goaltender situation, particularly, not Matt Murray, obviously, but what they're going to do with the backup, what they're going to do with Tristan Jari, if there's a real plan there, or if, kind of like last season, the Penguins are going to go into this year and shoot from the hip again and just hope whatever they have is a, in, in a, their plethora of goaltending options, if you will, that one of them works out and we're a couple weeks into the season and just like last year, we're having the same conversations of, well, this team needs a backup goalie. Should it be Tristan Jari? Should they go out on the market? We'll get into that. A whole bunch of hockey topics. We're going to talk some of the free agents out there. Is there anybody you'd like to see the Penguins target? Is there anybody you'd like to see the Penguins trade? Maybe Tristan Jari, maybe Carl Haglin. I still think there's a possibility that Brian Rust could be available on the market. And then we'll talk, obviously, about some of the guys in the system, Sprong, Bluger, guys like that, that could have an impact on the Penguins. Hopefully we'll have an impact on the Penguins here soon. The phone number to get involved, 412-922-2874 is that number. I would love to have your calls. As I mentioned, Penguins heavy, but we will be getting into a lot of fun stuff, maybe some stuff that we want some crowd participation on as well don't worry we're gonna have a lot of fun i'm telling you we're gonna have a ton of fun here today on the crowley show a lot of hockey we have jesse at 4:20 in the five o'clock hour specifically going to talk about jim rutherford and the penguins roster and then in the six o'clock hour we have got a ton of fun topics for you guys to get into it's all on the table today one more time 412-922-2874 is the number to get involved. I am Wesley Euler. I'm filling in for Adam Crowley, and you are listening to The Crowley Show. This is The Adam Crowley Show. Wow, 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 he's very nice. ESPN Pittsburgh on 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Four eighteen. On a Thursday, you have found the Crowley Show. I am Wesley Euler, filling in today and tomorrow. Once again, that is if they let me come back tomorrow. Filling in for Adam. 
And we have, as I mentioned in the first segment there, a a Penguins-heavy show for you today. A whole lot going on with what I would say the most successful team in the city currently. All respect to the Steelers. Joining me to talk about some of the interesting things that have gone on with the Penguins this week. He's one of my favorite hockey minds, hockey voices in this city. He has been since 2011. I think those were the face-off factor days, if I'm not dating myself a little bit here. His name is Jesse Marshall. He is now with The Athletic. Jesse, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time here to jump on with me. Rest in peace, faceofffactor.com. Thank you for digging that one up out of the grave for a minute. Yeah, that was uh, that was my first exposure to Jesse. Was was kind of the the face-off factor days, and and of course back. I, were you doing some stuff with the Pens blog back then as well? I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Find uh, me all over the internet. I so, think at that point. So I am an OG Jesse Marshall fan. I guess you should say before he went to the Athletic and blew up. I was a day one Jesse Marshall fan. Jesse, the first thing I want to talk about here with you is, and I know in this city, especially right now. It's almost like you're putting a target on your back if you question any decision that Jim Rutherford makes. Not scrutinize, not hate, just question. And with some of these things that have been going on, the the, the Jack Johnson and Chris Kunitz rumored signings especially, I feel like the Penguins in some ways are paddling against the current of the NHL that they've created. The, the young man's game, the speed game, that they were kind of the ones to really, they rode that wave to back-to-back Stanley Cups and inspired a lot of other teams in the NHL to do so as well. It seems to me with some of these things that are in the hopper that the Penguins have going on that will be announced here next week, that they're just kind of going against everything that has brought them success. Yeah, um... I guess I guess the the free pass I give on this is that when you're talking about depth, because we assume their interest in Chris Kunitz to be for the fourth line, you know we assume that, and I would personally hope that their interest in Jack Johnson would be for the bottom pairing. You can get away with that, I think, slotting those guys into lesser roles and still keep your team's identity. So I, I, while I agree with your overarching point. Because I do think they made moves last year, um, again, for depth pieces that, that you know, maybe didn't necessarily work out for the reasons you mentioned, that they didn't fit into that speed concept. I mean, I'm talking about Ryan Reeves here, um, you know, the, the, the trade that, that you know, Jim Rutherford made, the, the big one that backfired on him. I, I think that in a depth position, you're okay. My concern is, is that we've constantly, I think, over the last, Kunitz's last three years with the team saw him get elevated to a top six role one yep. too many times, right? Yep. So I, I, my my question is is if you sign a guy like Chris Kunitz, where is he going to play him? I have the same question for Jack Johnson. If Jack Johnson's going to be anywhere but the third pairing, I think that's going to be a problem for Pittsburgh. As long as they're star players, as long as they're, and I'll even go as far as to say the top nine, as long as their top nine forwards still fit that mold, and I think they do, you're okay. Uh, as long as your top two defensive pairings fit that mold, I think you're okay. Uh, but the question is, where do they deploy these guys that, that they're currently talking about? Sure, and that's that's the concern for me as well. And, and part of this rolls into, Jesse, I worry how the addition of a Jack Johnson affects the development and role of an Olimata. I worry how the addition of a Chris Kunitz could affect the development and the role of a Daniel Sprong or a Zach Aston Reese because after a month after a handful of games, all of a sudden Jack Johnson is playing a higher role and Chris Kunitz is back on the wing with, with Sid. Yeah, and that's where I'm at too. And I think when it comes to Chris Kunitz, uh, you know, and having watched him a little bit last year, 
you know, there, there definitely is, a, is not a lot of tread on those tires, but you plug him in in a third and fourth line, he's going to do you a serviceable job. I think with Jack Johnson, my concern is that he's got one good year on his resume. It was two years ago. My, my confusion around the Jack Johnson trade was this is he's not a good defenseman. And I know that the Penguins have had success with bringing guys that were miscast or weren't being deployed correctly into this team and, you know, quote, unquote, for lack of a better word, rehabilitating them. But this is not that situation. Right? No. We've, got, we've got evidence of Jack Johnson across multiple teams not living up to the billing and not being good. Um, he's 31 years old. He's not 24. He's not 25. The, to me, this situation, my confusion, I mean, and, and, and again, not to take anything away from Jim Rutherford. I think he's a great general manager. I mean, the Penguins would be hard-pressed to go out right now and get a better one. Uh, he's won two Stanley Cups. You can't take those things away from him. But to, to the attitude that he's impervious to criticism is a bizarre one to me when you're coming off of a year where almost every move he made outside of Riley Shahan didn't really turn out to be the right one. And I guess Jamie Alexiak, too. Jamie Alexiak's a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, for me, we're not talking about Jamie Alexiak. We're not talking about a 24, 25-year-old. We're talking about a guy with a proven track record of not being good. And that's where my concern comes in. Exactly. And I want to tie this into Hunwick a little bit, too. What was this? I guess this is a two-part question for you, Jesse. Would you rather have kept Hunwick with only his two years left on his deal and, and seen what happened next year and maybe give him one more shot? And also with that, was it necessary, a five-year deal around $16 million? Was the market on Jack Johnson really so demanding that that was necessary? Well, you have to, so that's a good question. And, and, and to take a step back from that, right, we have to clarify that it is illegal for teams and players in the unrestricted free agency interview period to talk, that you could talk term all you want, but you can't talk dollar amounts, right? It's against it. So all these teams that are having these big conferences to pitch their ideas to John Tavares, those are culture ideas, they're team-based ideas, deployment ideas, championship window talks, no money, right? So I think the reports that we had surface yesterday are the Penguins' offer to Jack Johnson. Because they can say that stuff to the media until they're blue in the face. That, that, you know, talking to us about that uh, doesn't, doesn't have any bearing on, on the UFA interview period at all. But they, they cannot have had those conversations with Jack Johnson. So what we're talking about right now is pure conjecture. And, for example, a team like the Arizona Coyotes could walk into free agency Sunday morning and throw five, $6 sure. million dollars at Jack Johnson, and he's probably not coming to Pittsburgh, right? So I think we're dealing right now in a lot of non-absolute situations. I think that, if anything, if they decided to go with that length of term, it's probably because the buyout would be easier for them. And, and you, you, you hate to consider that maybe they're making a move right now with the intention of, of sort of giving themselves the backup to unload that contract at a later time, but that's the nature of the business right now. Um, and, and I think that with the reported term Johnson would be getting, um, or, or excuse me, the reported money that he would be getting, a buyout in year two or three of that deal is not going to be all that bad. You're probably sub-million on what you have to keep uh, moving forward. Because you remember Brooks Orpik uh, just got bought out by Colorado, and I think that hit them for 2.5. So, And he was getting paid um, you know, a decent chunk of change more than Jack Johnson would be. Uh, in terms of whether I'd have kept him or Hunwick, I, the answer I would probably go with option C and others looked elsewhere. Uh, I think that 
I think that a guy like a Calvin DeHaan, while he's draft, uh, attracted a lot of attention, uh, has openly said uh, in this offseason that he, you know, he was frustrated by the way things worked out in New York and he wants to win a Stanley Cup. Um, that's your pitch to him right there. Uh, if you want to win a Stanley Cup, there's no better place to do it than come on down uh, to Pennsylvania and, and join up with the Penguins. So I just, I, I think they're, while the, the free agent crop of defensemen was thin and, and overall wasn't very good, I do think you have guys in this class that you probably could have looked at and only had to have paid maybe two or two and a half million dollars more than what the reported money for Jack Johnson would be. To transition here a little bit, we, we saw this week Sherry and Hunwick get moved. Are there any names on the roster that still stand out to you? Uh, maybe a Carl Haglin, maybe even a Brian Rust, even though he just signed an extension that could still get moved. Or with the Riley Shahan addition, does that potentially, are they thinking that maybe there's a chance Teddy Bluger could be their fourth-line center and they're going to move Derek Broussard? Could you see any guys that are still on the roster as a, you know, a, a chance, a, a fighting chance that they also would get moved here in the next week or so? I don't think so now. Uh, I, I think that there's a couple different things that Jim Rutherford tried to do uh, before those buyouts that weren't successful uh, trade-wise around the draft. Uh, so I think with the buyout of those two players, I think what you have now, you're probably going to see them keep. Uh, I don't think that that rules out the possibility of a trade during the regular season, uh, especially if they leave themselves some wiggle room and cap space to make an in-season deal. Um, I, I think that's still going to be a possibility. And, you know, let's say, for example, let's say you come out and Carl Hagelin goes the first three months of the season, you know, only scoring two or three goals. We remember he's like a second-half proven to be a second-half kind of player for the Penguins and kind of heats up at the right time. But if you feel like that $4 million doesn't really justify what he brings you this year, I think he's definitely a candidate to go. Um, I, I think with the, the guys that just got signed, uh, Rust, Shane in particular, and then Alexiak more than likely is obviously going to go to arbitration. Um, I, I think those three are, are safe to say, are safe to stay, uh, but I wouldn't rule out the possibility of, of Rutherford tinkering um, you know, with some of the aforementioned players uh, on the roster at some point once the year actually begins. One thing, Jesse, and, and I'm afar, you know, I'm, I'm in Philadelphia now, but I obviously still always have my, my finger on the pulse of, of my hometown and, and especially the hockey team. One thing that I think has been flying under the radar, and especially with some of the trades that have been made and, and rumored signings and, and things of that nature, is what the Penguins are going to do with their goalie situation, what they're going to do. Are they, are they looking at any backups potentially in free agents? Are they targeting potentially any trades? Do they want Tristan Jari to be the backup? Do they have any intention of maybe moving Tristan Jari? I just haven't heard as much conversation around the Penguins' goaltending situation as I would expect. Well, right now we're left with, uh, I guess, where we left off in the playoffs, and that's Casey DeSmith as the backup. Uh, Mike Sullivan's a big Casey DeSmith guy. I think Tristan Jari's year last year was, I mean, we'll use the term underwhelming, I think it's fair to say that, especially the hype I put on him. I thought that there was an opportunity that Tristan Jari would step in and, and end up maybe even being better than Matt Murray uh, based on the trajectory of his development, where he was drafted, and, and some of the pedigree that he had. So I think right now that's a job that's going to be, as far as backup goaltender is concerned, I think it's a job that's going to be decided in training camp. I think they're going to use camp as the grounds to kind of determine who's going to be that primary backup. I don't think they're going to add anybody to that position. Uh, I think that they're, they're comfortable with the level of professional ice time uh, that um, Jari and DeSmith got last year, uh, and I think they feel confident that either one of those guys could do the job in Matt Murray's app. So I think what you'll see is uh, a, a battle for that spot going into camp, 
And you got to give the edge to Casey DeSmith right now based on the way last season ended. So no, no, uh, no goalie targets in free agency upcoming for the Penguins. What about some of the other names? I know Michael Grabner has, has been a popular one that's thrown around. Uh, I also know that the, the mentioning of possibly trading for someone like Jeff Skinner has been in the conversations as well. Do you think that we will see the Penguins potentially, I should say, potentially add another player without giving up someone that's already on the roster? Uh, no, I don't. Um, and I will tell you this, Wes, I think the Penguins made a very competitive bid for Jeff Skinner, a uh, very competitive bid, and Carolina kind of scoffed at it. So my understanding of that situation is that the asking price for Jeff Skinner right now is just completely unreasonable. Uh, so he might, he might be a player that doesn't move at all based on what Carolina's asking price is. I think the Penguins knocked on that door very seriously, um, and I don't think that their offer, while competitive, was entertained very much at all. So I think that with that being said, the tinkering from a trade perspective is probably done. Uh, the Penguins really, really wanted to get Michael Grabner at the trade deadline last year. And it's probably a good thing they didn't because, um, you know, that just did not move out. His move at the deadline last year did not move out. And he finished off the year uh, on as cold as cold gets. Um, but I think that's the nature of the kind of player he is, right? Um, he's always been a little bit of a streaky goal scorer. And when he gets him, he gets him in bunches. But otherwise, I still think he's an extremely effective player, especially if, if he was on the third line for the Penguins. And you put him with a guy like Derek Broussard, uh, put him on the penalty kill with Carl Hagelin, uh, that would be just an absolute nightmare uh, for power plays to deal with. I mean, you get the two fastest penalty killers in the league uh, uh, attacking you in that situation. So I do think Grabner is going to warrant a hard look for them. I think the question is how much is, is his price going to be inflated and what's the bidding war for him going to look like? And I think they're still looking to add depth to that fourth line. And a name I'll throw out that, that everybody's been talking about is an Anthony Duclair um, and a player that, that fits that speed mold, um, a player that, that can play. Uh, you can deploy him confidently in five-on-five situations, and he really does a good job of adding to your team's shot volume, and I think that's really the key. So I would expect more moves like that rounding out the bottom six, uh, and I think from a forward perspective, those are certainly two players um, in, in addition um, uh, Grabner and uh, um, uh, Duclair that they're going to take a long, hard look at. And again, so that, that follows into this for me. Is there any worry amongst you or in your mind that it's not really, that with bringing in a guy like Grabner or Duclair, even if it's Kunitz, that it wouldn't really necessarily be a depth move. It would be more because they don't trust or think he's going to be ready right away as someone like a Daniel Sprong. Um, I think the problem is, is that from their perspective, I try to remove Daniel Sprong from discussions about the fourth line. Um, cause I think talking about Daniel Sprong in the lineup should, it should sort of issue more of a trickle down effect where you're talking about who's going to be moved to the fourth line as a result of his presence. Cause in my opinion, Wes, I'm sure you would agree with this. Daniel Sprong is not suited to be a checking winger at all. That's just the total opposite of what. So I think in that sense, if you're going to keep Daniel Sprong on this roster, and if you're as confident as you say you are in his development, it's Crosby's line or bust right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Or Malkin. You've got to put him on that top six. Uh, he has got to have a setup guy. He's got to have someone that can give him the proper puck service that he requires to use that shot of his. Um, noting the fact that you're probably going to see Kessel and Malkin together, it limits the options of where he can go. I suppose you might be able to play him with a Derek Broussard, uh, but I also don't think that Derek Broussard is an elite playmaker. I think he's the kind of guy that likes to shoot the puck. Um, so I, for me, 
you, you, you don't make those moves um, for anything but depth. Because if you're having a conversation about Sprong being on the fourth line, you're already behind the eight ball because that's just not in the type of environment that, that, he needs, that he needs to thrive. And I think that they're at the point now where they need to play him in the top six from game one to game 25. Don't scratch him. Don't bench him. Feed him as much ice time as you can and see what happens in the early portion of the season. Uh, find out what you've got. Get a good sample size out of it and let it ride. Because uh, I think too often they, they've got a little bit of a, of a, of a quick trigger finger out with him and he gets yanked out of the lineup right away at the first sign of trouble. you got to let him play through that stuff. You have to let him establish himself a little bit, and you have to really, I think, get a larger sample of what he's capable of at the professional level and the National Hockey League level. Jesse, last thing I got for you here, this is Jesse Marshall from The Athletic joining me here on The Crowley Show. I know, like me, you are a, you're a footballer at heart, a West Ham supporter. So i got to ask you, with the World Cup going on right now, I need to know who you're supporting. Are, are you pulling for the three Lions, is there, or is there somebody else? No, England fans are unbearable. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely unbearable. Um, I am, I've become Swiss for this tournament. I've become Swiss. Uh, so I'm, I'm on the, uh, the Switzerland bandwagon with, with Jordan Shakiri and and the rest of the lot over there. So that's that's the direction I decided to head in. I, I, I didn't, no particular reason either. Like I just I can't I can't in good conscience become a Mexico fan. No, uh, you know top rival. You can't pull uh, a Landon Donovan. Exactly. Super excited that Germany's out. Um, I guess France, but you know that's like eating a cheese sandwich with nothing on it, just plain bread and cheese. I feel like it's just so bland uh, that there's no enjoyment out of being a French supporter. So I've gone Swiss. I'm I'm rooting for Argentina and Portugal both to win so that we can get Messi versus Ronaldo in a World Cup quarterfinal. That is my rooting interest That's, at this point. At this point, I'm going to join you in that because as far as this knockout stage is concerned, that is the one thing uh, that I want to see. Uh, I am concerned about the mental health of every single person living in Argentina right now. Absolutely. So, um, you know, in that case, maybe I'll hitch to that wagon a little bit too because nobody needs it like they do. All I'm saying is FIFA is the most corrupt organization in the world. If there's ever a time they should put the fix in, it should be now to give us Messi versus Ronaldo in a World Cup knockout game. Uh, look, I mean, you guys think the NHL is bad. Um, I would say that professional wrestling has better officials than what the World Cup has got <laughs> this year. So, I mean, you look, you want to get a real taste of, of, of a badly run organization, just become a football fan for a couple months and uh, you'll be pulling your hair out. Jesse, thank you so much for the time. Uh, thank you here for joining me and, and giving me a couple minutes of your time. Great hockey talk, as always. You can find Jesse on The Athletic, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll do this again sometime, partner. Thank you. And that is Jesse Marshall, as I mentioned, from The Athletic. Great Penguins talk there. Some good stuff that he mentioned, really some interesting points that we will dive into more in the 5 o'clock hour. But coming up here next, I'm going to talk about some things that are bothering me. Kind of related to the World Cup, and also, are you okay with your team losing on purpose to try and win? It's the Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. I'm much better than a fan, and I'm not as much of a as a On ESPN Pittsburgh. And the iHeartRadio app. Back on the Crowley Show on a Thursday afternoon, I'm Wesley Euler filling in for Adam Crowley. You have found the Crowley Show where your sister listens and you should too. I'm telling you, Tom, just let it marinate for a little bit. Let it marinate for a little bit. I've always 
had a thing that the one of the worst sects of social media, because that's where the worst of people come out nowadays, was the please like my sport of hockey and lacrosse and wrestling, whatever it may be. Not not the NFL, not the NBA, the most popular games in the world. But over the past two weeks, I have a newfound group that has come out of the woodwork in a large way. That just, like, what are you doing? And that is the I hate your sport crowd. It's kind of like the the yin to the yang of the, the please like my sport group. And it, of course, involves the World Cup. You hear this group come out often. They come out during the Stanley Cup playoffs to tell you how nobody watches hockey and it's no one cares about hockey. They come out sometimes in certain areas during the NBA playoffs to tell you nobody cares about the NBA. Lacrosse. No one cares about lacrosse. But the most you hear no one cares in this country is related to soccer. Specifically every four years when it's the World Cup. And this is what's bothering me is that I don't like everything that people like. I'm not a huge baseball guy. This time of year, baseball dominates the conversation. I mean, it's the only thing going really other than free agency and trades and things like that. I have no need to go out and tell people how much I dislike baseball. When there's a popular TV show, Game of Thrones is a popular one now. You either have to love Game of Thrones or you have to tell everybody how much you hate Game of Thrones. And it's just, you can't let people who enjoy something that might be a little bit off the beaten path, might not be quite mainstream, enjoy that thing. And it's like... The biggest annoyance of it is I think people think that it makes them important. It makes them cool. It makes them unique. It makes them a, a rogue who does things their own way if they just dump on everything that people are enjoying. I like to put it in like a band mentality. You know, there's people that go for those deeper cut bands. They're like, I'm the only guy. I was the first one there. Yes. So you got to love this band. And that's kind of like soccer because still it's in its infancy in America. Let's be Absolutely. honest. We've got the Absolutely. MLS. But this is a hundred hundreds of years with this sport. It's been going on and on, and it's just getting to America and just gaining a little bit of ground. It's only going to get worse yeah, if yeah. you're someone who hates it. Right, right, it is. And it's funny because during the World Cup, like you said, it seems to pull all of them out of the woodwork. And you run into two types of people, like you said, and I'll go one further. Some of the people will try to overly convince you how good soccer is. True. And then that fuels the person who hates soccer even more, and it creates the social media situation where it's two poles arguing and they'll never come to a result. The yin and yang of, of please like my sport, I hate your sport. Exactly. Part of it, too, that ties into this, I don't know how you guys feel about this, is, listen, you don't have to like, everyone's going to like hockey more, or they're going to like football, they're going to have their sport in their league that they follow the most. But if you can't find some enjoyment in every sport at its highest level, I don't think you're that big of a sports fan. For I, I talked about baseball, but that's a bad example. It's like hockey, right? Most people watch the Stanley Cup playoffs even though they don't care. That's how I am with baseball. But more so, I think a better example is something like tennis, right? We talked a little golf earlier. You don't have to. I, I don't know anything about tennis. I've never played tennis. I'm not watching these opens during the week. But when it's Roger Federer versus Rafael Nadal... On clay in France, or France or Australia? Australia, I think, is the clay. On grass in Wimbledon, I don't know as a sports fan how you can't find that intriguing. And to me, the World Cup is the same way. Even if you don't like soccer, it's a sport being played at its highest level with some of the best theater in athletic competition that you could ask for. 
And so the other part of this to me is if you just dump on soccer and dump on hockey and these sports that you don't like, are you really that big of a sports fan in the first place? Or do you just like football? Are you just like basketball? And another great example of the just wanting to watch competition, boxing. Perfect. I'm not watching boxing at all. Floyd Mayweather fights, HBO on I'm Friday watching nights. it. You know, Conor McGregor shows up. That's interesting to me. I want to see that for the competition aspect. So it, it is. It's funny how people who claim that they love sports will then argue that some sports suck. If you've got a marquee event, like, like look, I'm not telling you to go watch uh, Man U beat Tottenham 5 nothing and sure. hang through the whole match. Sure. I'm not asking that. I'm talking about stuff that is interesting. There's competition there. It's a close game. It's a close match. That's the sort of thing. Like, as sports fans, that's what we love. I mean, we compete with our friends in different things. We love competition. Especially during the afternoon in June when there's nothing else on. Right. It's not like the World Cup is competing with the NFL or the NBA Finals or the Stan- what? Else? Especially during the day. It's not like there's... Ba- I mean, there might be one day game on for baseball during the day, but <laughs> the games are on at 10 and 2. It gives you something to watch during work. Yeah, it's not t- even interrupting prime time. <laughs> What's it going to interrupt? Get up on ESPN? Like, oh, gee, I got to miss that show. Oh, well. <laughs> it's It's the... Just coming out of the woodwork to tell people that whatever you're enjoying isn't actually that great. I, I don't know where that mentality comes from. Because at least the people who are on the opposite end, their mentality comes from they love that sport. right? All the hardcore hockey guys who post memes of LeBron James like getting ca- and like, oh, see, hockey player dies on the bench, Asta goes back in the game. LeBron James gets a cramp, has to get carried off. Like, even those most hardcore hockey bros, they're doing it because they truly love their sport. What is the motivation for the other side? I, I, I don't get it. What is your, at least if you're thumping your chest in the name of something you're passionate about, you're thumping your chest in the name of something you're passionate about. Just trying to dump on other people's enjoyment, I, I guess people get enjoyment out of that. It gets to be a societal issue, too. It, you, know, it you started off the, the segment picture, talking the, about yeah, exactly. social media. Yeah. yeah, and the smaller, like I said, the, the smaller is kind of the just how do you not enjoy the high-level athletic competition, and then the, the broader is... Dude, I watched yes. curling during the Olympics. Yes, that's a great example. And it was exciting as hell. Almost everything in the Olympics, except for maybe when the NHL players are there, is even swimming. Is anybody watching the world champion? Is you watching yeah. Michael Phelps in the world championships the three yeah. years between the Olympics? No, yeah. you're yeah. not. Are you watching Usain Bolt in the pen relays in the off Olympic years? No, uh-uh. you're not. And it's like again, the, just the the biggest baffle to me is. You're not a if you can't find enjoyment in these things, you're not a sports fan. And and with the Olympics and the uh, the World Cup, it almost raises it above just a sporting event because these nations are competing. So it kind of makes it like a spectacle in a way because it's not just two private club teams competing against each other. It's it's the nation. Switzerland is playing Sweden for for pride and right. a lot of pride is at stake between these countries, especially in the sport of soccer. Saudi Arabia and Egypt are playing in a game that doesn't matter. Neither of them have any chance to move on. And like you. It's the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls to their fans. Yes. It's the Super Bowl yeah. if the Super Bowl only happened every four years. And and you've got Spain and Portugal, who are two bordering countries that Spain has kind of been the big brother of Portugal for a long... Like, There's just so many storylines, and it could all come to a head here. We could have the ultimate civil war of soccer lovers and soccer haters if we get Messi-Ronaldo next week. Because I think that game would be... Thir- you would know it on Saturday if it's going to happen. And then the game would be Thursday or Friday of next week, so there'd be five days of buildup, and that would be the most 
across the world too, but especially here in the United States, the most anticipated soccer game of all time. That'll get pretty dangerous too, because not only will you have to argue that random guy who hates soccer, but then you'll you might if you're a messy guy, you might find the Ronaldo guy. If you're a Ronaldo guy, you might find the messy guy. So you got to keep your guns up during this week that weekend. You know, like you got to keep it tight because you you you're getting into combat conditions. <laughs> and, and we'll have to see. I have heard that Tom owns a messy kit, so we'll have to see. If he that, does not do that actually comes, yes. he is that comes to fruition. He is super full of it. He photoshopped, his, now, he photoshopped his head on a picture of Messi. Uh, no, that's just a lie. <laughs> it's a beautiful Thursday. It's a great afternoon for a drink. There's no better place to have a drink than at a ballpark. You can win a pair of tickets to All-Star Craft and Beer Wine and Cocktail Festival. Let me say that one more time. The All-Star Craft Beer Wine and Cocktail Festival at PNC Park. It's Saturday, August 11th. Win tickets right now. We'll take the fourth caller at 412-922-2874. One more time, 412-922-2874. When we come back, we are going to jump headfirst into a lot of these Penguins moves and Jim Rutherford's roster construction specifically. I'm Wesley Euler filling in for Adam. This is The Crowley Show.